You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, also known as your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me, getting into the journeys of their lives, not just the bright and shiny moments, but how did they get there? With the hopes that by other people being honest about their journeys, it helps you to have more compassion for yourself and to empower you to get out of your own way and to do those things you want to do or to just embrace your own journey. On today's guest, I have Mike Scheibel. He is the founder of Travel With Meaning, a lifestyle and content brand that connects people through authentic travel storytelling. Uh, I've known Mike for a long time. You'll hear some of that in the episode. And um, I thought this was a really special episode, maybe because I do know him and got to like know some deeper layers. And uh, yeah, he was really vulnerable, which I think most of my guests are, but I really think you're going to feel it with this one and resonate with some parts. So please keep listening. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe leave a review. If you do, you can screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourdryologist.com and I will send you a gift from my product line. All right, here we go. So I met you, man, how old were we? So long ago, lifetimes ago. I was going to say I was probably in my 20s, but maybe I was 30. I don't know. So it'd be almost- I was probably, you know, I was probably because it was Right, because my father passed away right before the Music Magic Make Peace tour. So I was still in my 20s then. So it would have been, I would have been in my 20s, late 20s. Feels like a lifetime ago. It was a lifetime ago. Anyway, I want to know about, this is where I start with all my guests, about life growing up for you. And especially I like hearing about the high school years because I feel like, you know, it's such an interesting time and like preparing for like your rest of your, like, it's sort of like, okay, like let's have fun, but then like, let's fit in. But then, you know, like trying to find our own ways to stand out maybe also, and then maybe you're getting from your parents or teachers of like what you should be doing the rest of your life. Uh, You know, like, okay, you got to go to college, like all these different things. So some people have a dream. Some it's just like, okay, I'm just supposed to like choose a college or I don't know, or I don't want to go with that. So like, especially like hearing about high school years. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Okay. High school years. Um, I think high school years were an odd mix of things, meaning that I think I looked at my high school years as I just wanted to get out of high school. I just wanted to get my high school years over with. I always feel like I fought with that not fitting in. And then if I thought I fit in, really didn't want to be acknowledged as much. I, I almost felt like I, I tried to hide in a corner, even though I was, I'd say popular because I knew everyone, right? Uh, but at the same time, kind of floated from different groups to different groups. I spent a lot of my time as the as the manager of the basketball team because I've been fascinated with basketball. And as the I've, manager of the basketball team while you were yeah. in high school. Yeah. You ever heard that before? I, I haven't. I was about to say, like, is that something really, that's common that someone anyone. who is in high school is the manager of the team? Yeah. Yeah. That was How me. did that happen? Um, gosh, I don't even know. I think it happened where I was like, 
in 10th grade and I played on the lowest level team on the, for high school. And I befriended the guy who was like the senior who was the manager. And he was like, Hey, you want to come and do a videotaping of a game and watch the game? And I was like, sounds cool. And so there was, so this, there was a senior that was the manager. I was, yeah. But no, but so already before you, so that was like, that's, was common that there was somebody who was in high school that was like the manager of the team. Correct. Got it. And he, so he would organize the practice and get things ready. And yeah, I had no idea that that was something his students did. <laughs> yeah. I, and it's funny. I look back at that and I was like, not that I wasted my time, but I, I, I would have loved to have maybe excelled or tried other things. I just, I loved it because I loved basketball and I felt like I was doing something. When you're like part of, yeah, like you get to be like part of the team if maybe you weren't someone who was going to be excelling on the actual team. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the way I viewed it. Like I was part of something and it made me feel like I had my worthiness and felt like I had my connection and and my thing that I could offer. But I knew that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my final thing that I wanted to do. I definitely wanted to leave. That being said, I had such a passion for it. I, I, after high school, and we could talk more about high school, but after high school, when I, I started at the University of Arizona, I attempted, University, University of Arizona is a prestigious basketball school. I attempted to be the manager there and I tried out and I went through this whole interview process and never had a shot, but. And what mode, what, how, why did you choose uh, University of Arizona? I chose University of Arizona for a number of reasons. One, the weather was good. Uh, it was relatively close, but not close. Uh, third, did you grow up it, in California? I grew up in the Palisades. Okay. I did. And, and for those who don't know, Pacific Palisades is truly like one of the most special places in the, the world. It's nestled between Santa Monica and Malibu, like incredible. All I ever wanted to do was leave. <laughs> <laughs> All I ever wanted to do was just explore and like back to this whole thing of like, maybe it's the sad in me, but like wanting to see and experience other places where I could fit in and I could be my authentic self as opposed to the, the, you know, an athletic kid that was the manager of the basketball team. So I also went to University of Arizona because they had a program um, that specialized in helping people with learning disabilities, which I have a learning disability. And it was a great way to, to go and, and get some extra help with school. I sort of worked the system in my favor where I would get like, I would have a note taker for all my class. And then I would give those notes to people in my fraternity or like I would get untimed tests. And like, I, I was definitely not the student who thrived in any way, but I, I, I learned how to use the system. So one of the reasons that you chose Arizona was because they had a program to like support people with learning disabilities. So was that something like in high school too? How was that managed throughout like elementary and high school too? Cause I feel like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like back when I was in school, I don't feel like things like that were managed very well. So where I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. And so for me, like growing up, it was definitely always on the forefront. It's always something that like we would talk about. And it's definitely something where I see it at times where it definitely takes me a few moments if I'm reading or hearing something to process. And it's something I've struggled with as far as making myself 
not that I'm dumb, but to like, oh, it took me a second if I read this to comprehend it. Maybe I'll need to work it through or just discuss it a little deeper. And so growing up, I, I, I felt very blessed and lucky as I look back now to have like a, a program growing up in, in elementary school in my school that, hey, would work with me and they would support me and they would encourage me. Um, junior high, high school, not so much. Um, maybe it was, you know, falling through some of those cracks or being in a public school system that didn't, didn't support that as much. Um, I mean, I definitely got by in high school, but it was never like a thriving situation. It was never really thriving, like finding what you love and your passion to go do. It was kind of like get by and then get out of school and go out into the world. Good luck to you. But it doesn't sound like, and maybe you're just not focusing on that. Like it wasn't something that like, did it create some sort of like added not enough story to you or whatever? Or was it more just like, oh no, I know this about myself. And because you had that support in the elementary, then it was just, yeah, I learned things a little bit different or I learned this, whatever. And like, you know it instead of like making yourself wrong or. It's interesting when I, when I can go back and I can try and unpack my whole high school years, I think a lot of that really played a part of the unworthiness or not enough because I couldn't comprehend quicker than other people, or maybe I didn't see myself thriving like other people. And to myself, I had to prove to myself, I thought by graduating and going on to college was like a big accomplishment, you know, and also a lot of my closer friends in high school chose not to go to college. They chose not to do things. And like, so I saw that as me being like, all right, I'm putting my big boy pants on and I'm going to go out and see the world. And I was the only one of my high school friends who went and traveled after high school. Like everyone else stayed home on some level. Yeah. And so it was me like pushing that aside of not being worthy or not being able um, to being like, screw this. I can do anything. I love that. In some, I'm like, it's interesting too that things can that can somewhat like hold us back and motivate us at the same time. <laughs> you know, like, well, there's the yin and the yang on that. And there's a lot of days and a lot of levels where it's like, it would bum me out. And like, you know, to this day, I, I've, I've recognized it a lot of late. And, you know, with anything, you can let it take your energy and your time for a little while. And then you can, you know, push through it and figure out, well, what's going to work for me? Okay, I need some extra time here. Or, you know what? I listen to audio, audio books, audible books way more than I probably read. And I still feel like I can get a lot out of it and just discuss that with people is a much greater experience for me. Or even my writing I, it is something that always gets in my way. Like I always have such a reaction to how I think I show up because my spelling's poor or my grammar's poor. Right. And probably like these ways of being told like, oh, you're slower at this or whatever. And I hope, yeah, I mean, now like my oldest is in kindergarten now, you know, so like just starting. And I'm like, it is so interesting to think of like, yeah, all the years that were in school and like, it's like what's labeled like, oh, if you're smart or not, you know, based on the subjects you're studying in school and how well you test and stuff, you know, it's just these so interesting. So then we can carry these stories our entire life of like, I'm not smart. Like I never thought I was creative or artistic because I didn't like want to draw. But honestly, most of it was like seeing how good my friend Kim was as a drawler and I'm never going to be that good. So not even actually allowing myself to try. Like I realized I've never even tried to like be an artist of any type because I just immediately thought I wasn't going to be good. But like anyway, so like those sorts of things. But as an adult, we learn these things like, oh, right. Like I'm better, um, you know, 
through hearing or I'm better for, I take an in information better this way. And we like, oh, okay. And we know this and like, it's okay. But like, we still have these like wounds from a childhood, probably of growing up of being in, you know, school and like, no, you're getting these grades or whatever those things and like how they mean. So yeah, interesting now with my kids starting school and like what that's going to look like. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I do think that where we are in today's world and in how we've progressed so much more and, and giving children a little more freedom to be creative or whatever that looks like. And I think back when we grew up, there was a little more of a box. And yes. I definitely had a lot of really hard days. And I definitely had a lot of like the I don't understands. And there was one year we I did go to like a junior high that was a little more loose and open. And it was like, you know, but it it, it allowed me to to excel on certain levels. But at the same time, I I missed my friends. I missed I thought being in a normal normal school, it wasn't like a, you know, a special school or anything of that nature. It was more just like a small private school. And, but it gave me the opportunity to thrive in smaller classes where I could get individual attention and find what worked for me. And so there, there's definitely times where I can go back and look at, not that I did anything wrong per se, but um, I would have loved to have taken more time for myself to figure out who I am more in, in nature or other places as opposed to just trying to be like, oh, you, like you said, the art thing, like comparing myself to other people, like, oh, I couldn't figure out in Boy Scouts how to tie this knot as fast as Jimmy did or Greg did. And so I made it mean that like I couldn't do it as opposed to, no, you get it when you can. Or like, what are the good attributes that you're bringing to this opportunity? Right. Or just even like, so yeah, you could have been like, oh, well, I guess I'm just not outdoorsy or I'm not this because it, I would, it took me like a little bit because that person got it so fast or something and I didn't. So interesting. Okay. So you go to University of Arizona <laughs> and um, and you then tried to become the basketball manager there too. And so, yeah, it was sort of like, yeah, when you're in high school, you're, I guess you said you did enjoy it, but part of you now is like wondering what you could have been doing otherwise, I guess. But yeah, like you enjoyed it enough that in college, then you also. Yeah. You, you know, it's it. interesting. So like I spent a lot of time, at the, not that I spent a lot of time at the beach, but like I like to surf now. And I didn't do it as much growing up, especially in high school, because I always had this story in my head that I wasn't good enough. And I had this story in my head that like- I'm laughing because it's so funny because it's like, if we're not good enough, but then like, so why wouldn't we like keep doing it? Did you to get right, <laughs> you know, but it's like, that's course. how we stop ourselves. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. So I'll just I'm never going to do it again. Or like, I was so much smaller and like, you know, I didn't think I was strong enough. And I had this story made up in my head of like, what's going to happen to me? And like, nobody's going to invite me to go and like, they don't want me to go because I'm terrible. So I just, I, I loved basketball so much and I still do that. Like it was like a safe haven for me, even if it wasn't really going to provide me that path to whatever it would be. Got it. So that's why like, it was like, okay, I'm not going to make the team. So how can yeah. I be a part of this? How can I be supportive in some ways is what I you know, come back to. But you didn't end up being the manager. I did in high school and in college. No, what like, college, it was like, I, I got into a fraternity. And I, I felt like I was finally cool, you know, and I, and, and like you made I, it right. Cause you have to like get accepted. You have to be accepted. Exactly. And then like, I, I was I chosen could, to be yeah, exactly. <laughs> they wanted me. They chose me. Look at me. So cool. You know, such a I weird. I mean, like a lab was like, no, we all get it. Like, right. It's like, yeah, I was, somebody said, yes, we want you here. <laughs> somebody actually chose me. That's incredible. Thank you. Wow. I was seen. I was actually seen. Thank you. So that, that was an interesting moment for me. Um, I do think I, 
I was never really sure what I wanted to study when I went to the University of Arizona. And it was, it was more like, how do I be social? And like, then it was, then it was like, I'm, I'm in the fraternity, but how do I fit in? How do I, how do I get girls to like me? How do I, oh how do gosh. How do I stay in? How do oh, I, gosh, now that I'm yes. in this? Yes. <laughs> Where do I fit in? I'm meant to be here. <laughs> exactly. How do I fit in once I'm in? And I'm like, that was a whole nother energy fuck for me. And the whole nother thing of like, you know, figuring it out. Here, take the notes I get from class. Now do you like me? <laughs> you know, so that's, that was like my first couple years at Arizona. And then I, I did the same thing at Arizona, almost like I was doing in high school, where after high school, I, I traveled, I took this trip and, and, and I, I loved it so much being in Europe. And Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So between, so between high school and college, you were like, okay, I'm going to University of Arizona in the fall, but that summer you took a trip. I, to Europe? Is that right? I took a trip. I was on a small group trip. Uh, we, it was like a three-week trip. and So was that something like arranged? Mom, my, my mom and I found this trip, this like tour group thing. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like through your school or oh, something. No. So you knew it was just like something that was, you could I didn't sign know anyone. up. Okay. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know anyone. This was like... And what motivated this, you to do that? I just knew I had to, I wanted to just go. I wanted to experience. I just wanted to see things. I wanted to, gosh, I, I think it was that whole thing of knowing that life would be better for me. Not even that it's better, but there was more opportunities to seek other places. And I was just so fascinated with the world. I mean, this is so pre-internet or anything, right? But what I, what I knew of travels and my grandparents had always like sent me postcards from around the world. And my, my parents had traveled a lot. And not that we did or didn't travel as kids. We never went on crazy long haul Europe flights or anything. And I just, I wanted to experience this. I just wanted to make myself more unique and different than everyone else who I didn't think I was as good as. I get it. I'm like, and I think too, that is like, we like sort of crave the sense of belonging. And so in some ways that that's something like that could be motivating, like have motivated me while I was like, you know, drawn to traveling as well too it's like but you would think like well no if we want to belong then we would want to stay where we are but like i sort of feel like that too where it's like my like craving of wanting to like be seen and belong actually has me trying out more things and going to different places i don't know but it's also that whole thing of like being here and staying in one place and you're trying to change something or work through something or elevate yourself where your surrounding community people see you in one way Versus going and shifting and and doing other things that make you more whole, you know. And and I, as we'll continue to talk about, that's an interesting pattern that I see quite often in my life, and um, I'm I'm longing for it even in this current conversation. Yeah, well, I think too that's a part. You know, I've moved around a lot, but also traveled a lot too, and it's like it's a really freeing thing because like, you know, you mentioned like sort of putting yourself in a box and then we think other people are putting ourselves in the box, whether it's like, Oh, I guess I'm not a surfer because I look like this or whatever, but like the shoulds of the world and that live within us and people, it's like, we're always putting ourselves in the boxes and like by traveling or moving or whatever, it's like in many ways, it's like, Oh, I get to like, they don't know. They don't have any idea about the Trisha that did this and blah, 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 and did that or this memory or, you know, whatever. Like they don't have any preconceived notion of who Trisha is. Like, I get to decide who is Trisha for you. And not that it's like you change and like I would change and shape shift. It was just like, it's sort of a freeing thing of like, 
there's no, I'm not a box. Like I'm not this pre-labeled thing that people think of me as, or they might, cause like, oh, there's the American or whatever. Oh, there's the tattooed girl or whatever. But like, <laughs> but well, um, it's, it's funny. It's like that. So that first trip I took, um, and it was a small group trip and there was like three people, four people who just graduated high school, a couple who just graduated college, a couple other like younger professionals, but it was like 18 to like 30 maybe. Right. And there was one young lady on the trip who like, I thought was just so hot. And I had no shot with this girl. Later in the trip, like she was so into me. And so the whole thing of this, this place of like, people don't know me. And like, in my mind, I'm like, well, I have no shot at this girl that old me. And when everything shifted, it was this whole space of, I can be whoever I want to be. They don't know, you know, the kid who wasn't chosen for basketball or whatever, whatever story I'm going to make up here, or the guy who wants to serve for cancer. This is like, you know, here I am out in a pub somewhere in Italy, you know, having a beer and, you know, this attractive young lady is like, hey, you want to go home with me? I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, are, me? Thank you. Wow. <laughs> like, so funny. Okay. So I don't know. So, okay. So you went the trip. I don't know how we got from the trip to Arizona. So anyway, you're talking about being in Arizona. Oh, yeah. Fraternity. And then, yeah, I think you mentioned. Well, like, well I, so I started to being at the fraternity, like I loved elements. I didn't see where it was taking me and I didn't see, I really had this desire to go study abroad and wanted to continue with that experience I got from that got first it. trip. And that was like a big game changer for me as far as like going and really immersing myself in a, in a culture and a community and meeting new people and, and just learning different things and going from that experience to then transferring schools. And moving to different schools to finish my university at a different college. And what, yeah, and, so what led you to transfer? Um, I think a lot of it led to what I started saying by like, I loved being at the University of Arizona. Like I loved the party element, but I thought I was so much more focused on social scene. And I had zero understanding what I want to do professionally. Maybe that's on me or God. Well, I mean, I, I, don't I think know. a lot of people. So that's what I, you know, that's why I sort of like talking about these years because it is so interesting of how much pressure it is on people in their late teens and early twenties to like figure your life out. Right, figure your life out, and all I want to do is kind of keep traveling at that point. And so, part of the reason to transfer was the newness, right? It's like that newness of going traveling after high school, studying abroad. It was that whole newness of nobody knows me there. I can go and experience this. And, and it was a city in, in Boston that had never spent any time. So it was Yeah, how super did you cool. decide to go to this school from being in Arizona to then jump I, to Boston? One of my fraternity brothers had transferred from this school to Arizona and he had mentioned it. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. That sounds cool. And I, I remember applying and one of my parents' friends knew somebody there or something. And like, I'll never forget, I was traveling and I would call my dad, like, collect as you do. And I, I called him like from Monte Carlo or something like wasted. And he was like, Hey, you got into to Emerson, but they need to know by next week if you're going to like accept the emissions. And I'm like, let's go. And I'd never been there. I'd never been to Boston, but so I, I decided to go for it. <laughs> so wait, if you're in Monaco, so this is like what, between certain years to like, this did you as go, I was, this did is you as go, I was studying abroad as I was oh, studying so you abroad, did go study abroad. Oh yeah. So through Arizona, um, not, I left Arizona and studied abroad for a semester through Syracuse University program in London. Oh, wow. Um, so you just found like a school that would allow you to study abroad, basically. Yeah, basically. I know I actually went with a fraternity brother of mine. So we, there's two of us. There's supposed to be three, but there's two of us. Uh, 
and we were traveling after the semester and I, I had, um, applied while I was studying abroad to this other school to transfer. And so too, did you still have any idea like what you wanted to study then? You were just like, I'll just change and go to this school. That sounds cool. No, the funny thing is when I transferred there, I was like, I'm going to be an octo. I was like, I want to be a thespian. This is great. Emerson's known for their acting school and I'm all excited. And I get there and they're like, oh no, you had to audition months ago. And I was like, I didn't know. And they're like, well, we put you in broadcast journalism. Why don't you, uh, why don't you have a radio show or TV show or something? And I'm like, cool. Wait, so they just like put you in a program? Yeah. They just put me in a program. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they gave me that option, I think to change or whatever, but I'll never forget like meeting with the, the advisor the first day. And she's like, no, you can't do that. But here's the program we put you in. Like if, you know, you can have a TV show or a radio show or, you know, whatever you want to do. And I was like, oh, and so now I saw this as an opportunity to like, how do I leverage my love for sports to maybe I'll become Bob Costas. Got it. So did you start, did you do that? You Did you stay in the like broadcast program and what did you? Not only did I stay, like I thrived. Like we, I became the head of the sports department for the TV network. Wow. Uh, I ran the sports radio show. We had the the number one co- college sports radio show two years in a row by That's Associated so Press. Cool. We were just abusing press passes all over Boston to go to like, you know, Celtics games or Red Sox, you name it. We took advantage of the system. <laughs> so yeah, so you were able to get press passes to go like free to all these games. Were you able to then like get in like great like seats or like boxes oh, yeah. and stuff too? <laughs> seats, the the free food. Uh, that we would, I'd go interview players after I would, it's, That's it's so awesome. funny that <laughs> even when I spent a summer in Boston, I still would use my press pass. And even though we didn't have a radio show at the time or whatever, I remember I went, um, I would go to, to what is the MS, the New England revolution was the soccer team. And so I would take the train out to Foxborough to go to the, to the games. And I would go because it was something to do. And they would also give you lunch. So as a college student, I would go and I'd eat lunch and, I remember after one of the games, I was interviewing one of the players just to practice my interviewing, right? You're like, well, I and, use a press pass, so I might well, as well interview somebody while I'm press, here. I got and the guy looked at me. I mean, I couldn't use this. There was no internet also at the time. There was nowhere to put any of the content. Right, right. So it would have been to be on a future like article that would write? Well, or no, it, it, was, it would have been for a future um, like, college radio show. Radio show, because you weren't... We, Part of like we a weren't newspaper. even doing we were shows. Like, we were. It was the summer. We weren't even doing anything, and I wasn't thinking we'd use this in the future. So I'm interviewing this one player, and he's like, "You know, you're not recording this." And I, I didn't even have batteries in my recorder. I just was doing the interview. I was like, "Okay, well, <laughs> you know, hindsight now, I'd probably have it on Instagram Live, and you know, just like right. doing things different." But I just was there for the experience, which is kind of like a lot of things. I just was showing up. Awesome. So then did you stick with that until you graduated? And the, like, were you then like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like sports journalism. Sort of. Yes. And I say sort of yes by this is at Emerson, they did in the journalism department, they talked to you a lot about like, what were the steps? Like, okay, you're graduating. You're supposed to get this on-air sports or news job, or, you know, in like a small market somewhere. You got to work your way up, right? Much different these days due to the internet and everything else. But there was a, a roadmap. And I sent out a few resumes and resume tapes to places. And 
I had zero desire to go to like, you know, North Dakota. And I, I no defense, no defense on people in North Dakota. I just was like, I moved back home to LA and I was going to figure it out. And I got introduced to a talent agency who represents broadcasters. And I was like, oh, why would I, this is what I should be doing. I'll represent all my friends and everyone instead of going and living in that small town. Got it. So were you able to get a job at the talent agency? I was able to get a job as an assistant. And right. I you gotta, my, well, you still got to work your way up, even if you're in LA. Up, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I saw that as like, all right, well, here's the inroad. I can learn about industry and here's my niche of being in it and still staying using my broadcasting skills. And there was actually a book that they had us read in, in, in college called Broadcasting Realities. And the guy who wrote it was the CEO of the company I work for. Wow. Um, so I, I felt like I was like, this is it. This is a great yeah. calling for me. I look at all the things aligning. And so how did that end up going? <laughs> did you and did it end up being a, a good thing for you for a while? I'm like, I obviously know you don't do this anymore, but yeah. Like- yeah. For a while, it was a great thing um, on on levels. And I say that because I'm one of those people that like, I get so excited and passionate. Like, you know, if, if people rolled in for work at like 8, 8.30, I'd be there at 7. You know, I'd be there at 7. I'd be there on the weekends just like doing extra work, learning, you know, with my suit on. Like, I was in the gym at 5. I, I just was living what I thought was to be this lifestyle of like Jerry Maguire, you know, and like hustling or, or Ari Gold, right, from Entourage and like just on the phone, like, yes, like making these deals happen. And like, so... Unfortunately, that's that I was there at this company for two years and it didn't end well for me. They ended up letting me go and I was super devastated. And I blame myself being a little too, I guess, overzealous and over ambitious. And uh, from there, I ended up getting a very interesting opportunity to work for a talent news recruiting company in San Antonio, Texas. So, I packed up my car and I moved to Texas. Wow. And how long did the, how was that? And how long did you last in Texas? Lasted in Texas two years and I left the company and I got a job opportunity to be a talent agent running a, a broadcasting department back in LA. That's so awesome. And was that something that you had been looking for at the time? Like, were you in Texas? Like, okay, like I want to get out of Texas and putting feelers 100%. out or did the opportunity? Okay. Yeah, which is it's funny is that I, I had this thought the other day. What would have happened if I would have stayed in Texas? I met I like I met my first wife in Texas. I got married. I coached I coached a, a eight and nine year old boys soccer team as a way to fit in. Like wow. I, I was just, I was like single guy like trying to just do like things looking in the to do things. You're new in town. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And the, the parents loved me and like I I loved it. It was fun. But if I would have stayed there and you know extended my contract, which they offered me, I probably would have had a couple kids, stayed in Texas. But so that like job was technically then going well, you just were like wanting to get back to LA. Yeah. I, I, I I saw it more. How do I say this? Um, I was going to say more ego of like, I'm holding myself down. Like I wanted to, I'm sitting here bringing talent and I'm working with all the talent agents and 
I know all the talent agents and all I wanted to do is be that talent agent. I wanted to be that guy. Got it. Because that company, you're bringing talent. So you're matching talent broadcasters with agents. Correct. So we were the middleman. So we, as that company, and we so represented you were kind of feeling stations. like, I, yeah, I should be the agent. Got yeah. it. And so it's, it's really funny to look back at that now and see where my part played a lot of that, right? And how I made my own feelings of like, again, worth of like, you know, give me this credit, you know, whatever that would be. Or like, this isn't an, like, I need to, you know, it could even feel like, oh, well, this doesn't sound as like cool or important, whatever. Like I need to be an agent because then people will think right. that and I'm the, and enough. The ironic thing is like badass or- the, the recruiter job, not that it was easy, but it was so much more like, more cushiony and easier than being that agent where people were like, give me a job. Damn you. And like, had I had the understanding and, and know with all to like kind of see it that way, I'm like, wait a minute, let me demand more money here, enjoy my job and then figure out a wonderful move as opposed to thinking you're supposed to be this glamorous thing that right. truly was not that glamorous. Because so, it likely was like rewarding and fulfilling. Like, oh, you get to match people. Okay, look, yeah, you have an agent now on that. But yeah, it's like we have this like oh, we have to be doing more. We need a bigger title. We need this. We need, yeah, like fancier thing because then people will accept us. But it's like, but yeah, it's like, but yeah, we're not still like, oh, if we just accepted ourselves and like, yeah, this is actually a great job. This feels it great for me. It was super easy. It was great. It was mellow. It was this husband and wife team. It was very mellow. It was, you know, life was good. I mean, I, like I said, I, I randomly was thinking about that the other day as far as I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sliding Doors. You could have gone this way or that way. And like, I was like, what if I would have done this? You know, and like, okay, I didn't. So come back to this. But So yeah. you did end up then getting a position as an agent again I in did. LA. The well, dream that, you thought. I thought it was the dream once again. <laughs> and what happened with that? Did that like, did it, oh. you know, did it feel like? There yeah, were times where, yeah, there were times where it felt awesome. I was running this department. I, I definitely think there were times where, again, I wanted the more. I wanted, I wanted the assistant. Now I had like 65 clients because it wasn't just my department. Um, it was a commercial theatrical broadcasting agency. I ran the broadcasting department. So all the other departments were also, majority of the time, having me represent their clients too for, for hosting. You know, People wanted to be on reality shows or dating shows or whatever, game shows. and. I just was like, hustle, hustle, you know, like, again, up early in the gym, you know, very Jerry Maguire, Ari Gold is like, you know, on the phone, headset, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And there were moments of wonderful reward. You know, I still did a lot of represented a lot of newscasters, because that was my bread and butter and what I knew. And you move someone from that small town into like a great opportunity. And, and I can still see in this time now, like some of these incredible professionals, how they've moved on, whether they're at networks or other places. It was fun to really help their career move along. But it got to the point of like, more, more, more. I needed more. And like, man, I had 75 clients and it was just me, zero assistant. And I was making no money. And at that time, oh yeah, I was getting divorced. And I was fucking miserable. Like I would go to my car at lunch and cry. Wow. 
Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption to tell you about Blissoma, my absolute favorite skincare line. It is truly authentic green beauty. Cutting edge chemistry meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both worlds. So many brands out there are just greenwashing their products, which means they just say whatever they want on the labels, and they really don't pay that close of attention to the best products for your skin. Blasoma has original recipes that offer a huge range of phytonutrients that benefit every skin need, including super sensitive skin and painful skin problems. They create balance within the skin and the body, and the products are formulated to allow customers to proactively and naturally manage a variety of skin issues. That includes acne, eczema, sensitivity, stress, aging all through the nutrients they contain. These products were originally created from the founder just trying to heal her very painful acne. She had tried all the things and this is what worked. These products she created and she kept on creating more. You can go to blissoma.com and you can even do a free skin consultation on their website talking about your skin, and then they send you answers. And by the way, they might just send you one product you need, or it could be a several products. They are not about more. They are really about serving you and your skin. Go check them out at blasoma.com. And again, if you're like unsure about where to start, take the consultation and also check out the Lavish Loving Recovery Beta Glucan Mask. It's super hydrating, moisturating for this time of year when we can all be drying out. Go check them out. And again, just go to blissoma.com, get that skin consultation. And I think if you join their mailing list, they send you a free gel cleanser. Go check out Blissoma. Let's get back to the episode. But yet... But you're good, you're, you're miserable, but you, I guess, like, and you know that you're, like, going to your car to cry, but, like, you're, you're just still, like, instead of seeing, like, oh, maybe something needs to be different and change, you're like, okay, so I just need to be more clients. I need to be more busy. Is that, like, what it ends up? It's not, like, oh, maybe this isn't working, but it's just, like, the answer is more. <laughs> Do you think I, that? I, yeah, I didn't know what the answer was. Right. And, like, you know, you, I was working in a system that was, like, all right, well, you need to deliver. Here's your department revenue. And like, I was crushing every other department by myself, you know? And yeah, it was like the more, 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 Oh, it's going to get better if I do this more. Right. right? Cause you think you're trying to get to something cause it's going to be good there, but right. yeah, it's kind of a false sense of what you're going for because you plateau and then you want to keep going for more and more. Right. It's that weird drug of I need, I need. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason the, like the podcast is named claim it is that so often we are like putting these like benchmarks of like, oh, okay, I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be successful when I have this, when I'm making this much money. Okay. When I'm married, when I have kids, when I live in this house, when I can buy this car, when blah, blah, because that'll look like, you know, it's like what we think it's supposed to look like. And then like, instead of just like, wait, I'm not happy or I'm not like looking at, or, oh, I did the thing. So let me be like happy or acknowledge myself or feel it. Just we're so often like just chasing the next benchmark and not ever actually feeling enough or worthy or fulfilled or successful, even if we actually are. And everybody around us could be like, wow, look at you. Good job. But and we still part of can't that even, Part of that even for me is like, if you go back in that thing I said, even like in high school and like wanting to be recognized, right? Acknowledged. And so now I'm 
running this department by myself and I wanted to be seen as like a bigger agent or a bigger agency, right? Before I wanted to just be an agent. Now I wanted to have a little more. So calling myself out and like, I wanted to be seen as these bigger places and have these up and coming clients and have these people who are on the radar and like the ego status of what that all really was, was, was very like apparent to me. And like, I needed that. That to me was what I deemed to be successful and what I thought I was like striving for, which is so bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And it's like, so often we are like seeking this external like validation, acceptance, like, right, am I good yet, people? But even when we get that, if we're not giving it to ourselves, like it's meaningless or it's like, okay, that, but then you still are like, I have to keep going this. It's like, really, it's our own validation, love, seeing ourselves. Like we do, we need it from other people. Like, it's not like, no, we're going to be an isolated island, you know, but like, yeah, but we have to be able to accept it for ourselves. Yeah. And that was, um, gosh, I look back at that now and it just, it's such a funny moment of thinking of like, again, what you thought you were trying to do and, and get to. And at the same time, it was, it was me. So I could have that outward appearance to other people, other companies, my company, my clients, but never really understanding the me. Right. And like, I'd gone through this divorce and I'd, I'd masked it. I'd just go, 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 you know, and, and whatever we're going to do from there. And it didn't end well with that company, you know, as a pattern here. Um, it didn't end well with that company as far as I, I literally just got into like a argument with one of the partners about um, one of the clients I represented was one of his best friends and guy was kind of pissing me off. So I fired him and that didn't end well. And I'll never forget the moment, like just meeting with this guy and ha having a meeting with two of the partners. And I just kind of stood up and I was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And I've thought about that a couple of times over the years. What if I, I made the choice? They didn't, I never forget. They told me later, they're like, we weren't planning on firing you. I made the choice. That I was mean, me. I feel like in instances like that, it's probably like been underneath for a while. Like maybe you really knew that wasn't for you wanted to go, but you wouldn't allow happy. yourself to hear that or see that, yeah. you know, cause no, this is whatever I'm living the dream, blah, 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 more. So then like, we just have these blow up moments and you're like, what was I I didn't need to quit. I didn't need to say, I didn't need to quit. I need to do whatever. And then being like, oh, actually I did. Like, it feels like a rash thing. And then you're like, wait, no, actually that was what needed to happen. I maybe didn't do it the way that was the best for, right. <laughs> you know, like. True. And the crazy thing is, is not to completely jump ahead, but I will say this. So that happened and like, it didn't need to go that way. And who I am now, like would have never handled it that way. That being said, many years later, after I'd you know, had other things, which we'll talk about, I'd found myself in that building where that agency was. And I stood outside their office for like five, 10 minutes. Like, do I, do I go in? Do I? And I went in and I literally met with the partners and I just kind of acknowledged them. And I thanked them. And I was like, you know, I was probably an ass that day. And just thanks for taking a chance on me in the first place. And just was like, all right, cool. And I, for whatever it was for me, like I felt better in that moment. Like at the same time, Everything was the same in there, like the same receptionist, everyone. I was like, wow, I'm so good. How I'm many so late? Like 12 years later, wow. 10 years late, like to the point where I was like, oh yeah, I get it. Don't question the things you do and you just go for it. And you, it's no, not about regrets or going backwards. Things happen. And I was like, that's right. They could be making money. They're probably maybe successful in whatever their finances look like. Are they happy? Maybe that's definitely not what I want to do. I didn't want to still be in that office. And anyway, all right. We'll, so anyway, I'm blew sure we'll that one up, and then yeah, what? Where blew we're... that one up. <laughs> um, 
I started my own, my own management company. And so I, it was a very Jerry Maguire moment of calling my clients and like, I've left, come with me. Well, and so what's, so you had been working as an agent. What made you want to start your own management company versus? Cause I always, so the manager is the bigger, the bigger picture thinker where the yeah. agent technically is doing the deal. The manager is looking at the strategy of the, the, the career of where you're going and, and being more on the creative side. And I've, I Do you always, think that also was part of the Len Moore? Like, okay, well, I'm not going to be an agent. I'm going to be a manager. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. Or I mean, going back to, you were managing the basketball team in high school and stuff like that. So, you know, like perhaps management was actually really more for you, but you just got more dialed into the agent part. I think it's more that. I think it's more the... I always saw myself as a manager as being that hands-on and like, how do I help you and your career? You know, your personal, professional, financial, how do we like, you know, mold things together? And, and I really liked it. I really felt I was thriving with, with clients. I really felt that I was doing. And you, so you called people that you were, that were your clients that were for agents and did those people then, so were they, it wasn't like they necessarily had to leave the agency then because, again, you're a manager or was it? You know, like, again, because it's agent and manager is different. So did people, yeah. like, drop their managers or was just like, oh, I need a manager? Okay. Or, you know, was it different? Awesome question. Um, some did. Some dropped that agency and, and I moved people to other agents. Because, of course, some... you don't want to – you can't. If you blow blow up, you can't. No, I'm just kidding. You can't give no, up. Right. I'm sure you were like, and we're <laughs> – and we'll just, you know, it's Monday. We're good. No, no, you know, in the perfect world, but no. So I moved quite a few to other agents and that was, that was part of the bigger play. And that was also part of the reason to be more of a manager to then to leverage relationships with some of these managers or agents that I knew. And maybe I wasn't going to go work for that bigger company, but some of these clients that I had that were worthy enough to be represented there, I would position them to be now have an agent there and we could work together. That's the way I saw it. But so you started your own management company and you were able to get clients right away. Yeah. I mean, I had 70 clients when I left that agency. So I probably held on to 15 to 25 and then cut it down from there. So I, I was busy trying, I underline that word, to figure out what the F I do next. And lucky for me, I had quite a few clients and people like, like Justin who were doing things and and Justin, well, so yeah, you're saying Justin, which is how we met Justin Willman, who's a past guest who I feel like most people would now know through Magic for Humans on Netflix. He's also hosting another another like baking bake show another baking right now. Show. He used to yeah, host Cupcake Wars. Yeah. But so was he, um, so then when you opened your own management company, I'm still like, you, you didn't just go with broadcasters or was he somehow, well, that's right. When I talked to him, I guess when he moved to LA, he was sort of like, trying everything in many ways. Like he always was about magic, he said, but like was starting to do hosting, like trying to do hosting stuff right away. So like, yeah, was he? He was a client of mine when I was an agent. And so he even, was even when, so as a broadcaster or whatever, like what? Yeah, he was a host client. I mean, Justin it. was actually, Justin was a an intern or not intern. He was a freshman writer on my college radio show in, at Emerson. And so I had known him and then we reconnected in LA and, and he was a client of mine and we were just starting to pick up some great steam together for opportunities like the Rachel Ray show and um, other, other like hosting gigs were coming together. And so when I left, he, he was a big part of like helping give me this confidence. It was like, yeah, I'm going to go with you. 
And so that, that validated me as far as like, yeah, there's your worthiness. And like, he and I will figure this out. And we had a good run. But yeah, so your management, did it end up then like, yeah, changing or like, yeah, did you not just focus on like hosting and broadcasting? Like, yeah, what, what <laughs> happened with the realm of you starting the management company and then from yeah, eventually um, so, not having it? <laughs> so the management company for the first part, um, it was a lot of almost business as usual where I, I stayed with some of my news clients, some hosting clients and started dabbling even in slight into music and other things just to, or, or producers or other ways just to, you know, have unique offerings out there. And from there, it pretty much just got rid of all the news clients. News clients were either a one to stay with the traditional news agent who would, you know, know more of the openings or other things, or it almost got to the, the place where they just didn't even want to have a representation anymore. And they just wanted to negotiate against me with what the what their rates or commissions could be. So I just started seeing that maybe that wasn't the way to go with news people anymore. And at this point, I was spending quite a bit of time in the magic world and a little bit of music and figuring out, you know, what what other opportunities to play with. And so, yes. Yeah, so when did you decide to stop being a manager or what happened? Yeah. So what happened was it was a series of events. Um, we had met, you and I had met, as you said, the Music Magic Make piece, which I think was 2008. Okay. So at that time, I was managing Justin, who was just incredible at the time, uh, and the Make Peace Brothers, who were a band. Um, which Finn has also been on the podcast. Correct. And it was a series of events where I realized I was putting all my time into these two clients. I probably had about five to 10 clients total. And it got to the point where they, as a band, the Make Peace Brothers first, had decided that they didn't want to be represented by me anymore. Uh, and and it was they called me at their house. We had like a weekly meeting. It was I remember it was, like, it was May. I remember it was May because it's my mom's birthday, and it was I just remember being devastated. And they just said they were going to go in another direction. And they were at that point where bigger agencies, bigger managers were kind of hitting on them quite a bit, and they had decided to do something different. And I just remember being devastated and, and kind of, you know, chalking that up. And then I think it was July or August, Justin called me and and he also, same thing, where his career was kind of taken off and he'd been kind of being hit on by a few other agencies and places. And he had come to this direction and understanding that it was time for a change in his professional career as well. And I just remember how devastated I was from that and just sort of blindsided, but not at some level. Like, I guess I sort of saw the writing on the wall coming with the Make Peace Brothers. Um, and that, that kind of, um, definitely spun me out for a second of like, what now, where do I go? What do I do with, in my mind, my identity had been connected to my clients and, you know, I will, I will say this and, you know, you and I have both done like landmark, right. And I will say this is that I had done some of those courses and classes with my clients. And I'll never forget this moment. And this is something that really helped me get through this is I was in a small group with myself, Finian, and Justin. And we were talking about happiness. What is happiness? And Justin said something like, it's when I have a TV show. And Finian said something like, when I go on a tour. And I said, 
It's when you have a TV show and you have a tour. <laughs> Which all of those things, it's just like, oh, when, yeah, like I will be happy when someone said, like gives right. me a TV show, when someone books me at a tour when somebody books but like it's like yeah that uh which is like yeah that'll bring happiness but yeah it's interesting but so that. i but i so i look at that and like so after that moment happened after justin i did what i do and i, I bought a one-way ticket and i left and as the process of kind of trying to set intentions for myself prior to leaving i recognize and remember that conversation of happiness and realize i didn't know my own happiness and i didn't know my own self and i didn't have that moment for me as far as who am I? I'd gotten divorced. I'd worked my ass off. I started this company. I was go, 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 go. And I didn't honor myself in any way. Like, what did I like to do? Where did I want to be? Who was I? You know, I, and I, I love Make Peace Brothers. I love Justin. I am nothing but excited, happy, and beyond proud of who they all are and what we all did together. At the same time, our breaking up allowed me to go and start to put pieces of my own puzzle together. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, well, as I said, I thought the happiness thing is so interesting for each person, but then yeah, you're like, oh yeah, my happiness is based on other people like getting their thing. It was like a really big thing. I'm sure. I mean, like that has to, even if you're someone that at that time when that's happening and you're super like grounded and have all these other things like that, I'm sure it's so hard to not take that personally. But like, yeah, like, you know, these clients, because also you had created deep friendships with, you know, it's like, so really like that overlap of like the friendship and your clients. And then like, even then it's like, well, of course, like this band is, you know, starving art, like they're trying everything to like, try to stay afloat and like, okay, well maybe like, it's like, really, it's probably not about you at all. And that you weren't doing your job. Like, okay, let me just, we got to try everything to like, what's our, where's our next break? And we're going to blah, 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 you know, and the same thing with just like, it's like, it probably like, didn't even, even if it had, it's like, not necessarily like, oh, you were bad or no, blah, blah, and they were grown. It's like, you know, it's like, but it's of course like, yeah, that makes sense. People do move on, you know, like, or, and just whatever, whether their is taking off or they're just, their career's not taking off. And so let me try something new, but like, yeah, it's got to be impossible to not take those, that, those personally. Absolutely. There's a reason it's called business and not friendship. Right. And, you know, I, I had a really hard time with that, you know, and, and I was very close to these people and really, um, just attached my life to it. And I believed in this. And I also saw this bigger thing coming from it. And, but if you go back and look at what I thought happiness was and didn't know my happiness, there were a lot of pitfalls and a lot of just unfortunate things that I didn't recognize because I was so caught up, which is a good thing being in the moment and being so excited and being so passionate around it. But for my own, um, you know, well-being, there was none of that. <laughs> so you said you bought a one-way ticket. I did. Where did you I bought a one-way ticket to Australia and left without a plan or understanding of anything and, and, um, traveled for almost a year. And did you then like, I don't remember, did you like give all your stuff up? You know, like, was it like a rash and buying one ticket or did like, you didn't have enough time to be like, okay, I'm just going to go travel. And so like, let me get rid of this place or like, yeah. Like what did, how did you set yourself up for it? Or did you? Yeah. I, um, I mean, I got rid of almost everything. I had a yard sale. Like I leased my car to someone. I, wow. I, I got rid of like everything. I mean, even my dog went and stayed with my parents for a year. I was, I remember saying to myself, I'm not coming back until I have a plan or I have this and whatever it was. Um, and I just 
went. And and why Australia? Were you just drawn to it or was there any clear reason? A couple of reasons. One, I knew they spoke English. I'd be okay. <laughs> right. right? Um, I also found a super cheap one-way ticket for like 300 bucks wow. or something that I just remember being like, what? Okay, I'll just yeah. do it. <laughs> It was going to be summer. It was like the fall. And I was like, I, I just, it seemed like also the farthest place. And it seemed so random. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Just, I was like, I just wanted to be a yes. So that was it. And so, it was so there was no way. real plan. Just let me get oh my this gosh. one way ticket. No real plan to the point where like, you know, day two or three there. And I'm, you know, on my flip cam, which, you know, is pre iPhone and recording all my, my journal moments and just having major breakdowns as far as like, now what, what do I do now? You know, and like everything I had and knew was associated with these other things and, you know, and, and trying my best not to watch or look at social media. Thank God there was no Instagram at the time. Um, but trying to figure out this life or what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, <laughs> I would spend way too much time on the, on this part of this trip. Like, oh, wow, this, this person's kind of talented. Maybe, maybe I could sign them and maybe, you know. Wow. So like, you're like, yeah, like you're in a cafe and somebody's like singing a song. Oh, maybe like you just, you can't get yourself out of like, I know I'm like starting over like, uh, Trisha. maybe I'll be a manager in Australia. This is where I'm meant to be. I'm like, start my own. Is that like, Trisha, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I was in New Zealand <laughs> and I loved the hostel concept so much. I thought it was such a brilliant way to connect with people and do things. There was always interesting stories. I came back to the States with a letter of intent from this hostel company there to pitch a TV show for them. <laughs> and like, I was just like, oh, this is great. And I look back at like all the time and energy I wasted like on emails or doing things because I was doing my best to wean myself off, right? I was doing this Tim Ferriss four-hour work week of like not being on the phone every five seconds or computer, but I was still trying to keep one foot in to be like, in case somebody needed me. You know? Right. Got it. So you're like, I'm on my own adventure across the world, but then be like, well, but if, as soon as I get an email, that's like, <laughs> hold on, wait, I do want you as my manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I laugh at that so hard. It, it's such a painful laugh, but at the same time, like I see where I was going through and grieving and like, you know, I had zero responsibilities. I had zero things to do. And like, that was the beauty of it. And I was struggling with, well, the, who am I? Right. Which is, still a daily reprieve, but, um, it's, it was a interesting, weird time. I mean, there are days I would like weeks, I would just lay in a hammock, you know, and be awesome. But it took you a while to like, get to the point where you can just lay in the hammock for the I don't day. Think I, ever, I mean, it doesn't say I wasn't crying or figuring stuff out. I just was in the hammock or wherever I was, or be on a scooter in some random country or city and just enjoying, you know, and like figure it out. It, like I said, thankfully, there was no real, just Facebook, but there was no social media explosion as there is today. Right. You know, and I didn't have an iPhone and I, I wasted way too much time trying to find Wi-Fi in certain places. But I had a generation one. No, no, I did have a wife. I did have an iPhone, but it wasn't like anything crazy. But I was saying like, did it take you some time to be able to like, actually just like allow yourself to relax and be in the moment besides like, yeah, like, okay, what am I going to do next? And this, that, that, whatever, you know. The times I wasted energy thinking about jobs or things, or even like women, like I meet this girl, I'm like, oh, good, this girl's great. And then I'll just overthink that. Yeah. So like there, there were days where like I shut it down and thought about nothing. 
and just like sat and I would meditate all day and I would just like find a stream and just like listen to the stream for hours and just like do my best just to be like, what really matters? You know, and like I would think about that happiness conversation over and over again of like, what am I trying to find? And like part of the time I was trying to think my way out of a box as opposed to just like be in action. But then I was like, well, my action today is to do nothing. Uh, I read a, I read a book actually early on on my travels, um, and you I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but I know you you met his wife. Is this is the Magician's Way by William Whitecloud? Yeah, no. So we just I I had realized because I years ago, so probably before I even met you, like went on a like I would go on a tour, and then when I didn't have a tour, would like go on my own trip. So I booked a yoga retreat to Bali, like before people went to Bali. You know, it was like two thousand. Seven, maybe, maybe 2006. Um, and it was like a random, like a couple weeks before it was supposed to go and like just finding it. And so everybody else pretty much on the yoga retreat was from Australia because it was so close. And so I ended up making friends with Christian White Clad. And she was just like, Oh, my husband is this person. And I had never, I don't, I never heard of him or whatever or anything like that. But like, oh, he's some, yeah, spiritual teacher, like whatever person. And so, yeah. So then I just like this last year realized, like, wait a minute, do you know these people? I know these people sort of, but I don't because <laughs> they ended up moving to LA. Well, yeah. And I don't think you know. So how I even connected with them is crazy. So his book, William's book. And what was it called again? It's called The Magician's Way. The Magician's Way. Now, remember, I told you. I just parted with Justin, who's a yeah, magician. Been and in ma- magic world. I've been in for- magic land. And so this is day two or three. I'm in Australia. If I saw in- that book, I would have been wanted to rip it up. Like, oh, oh wait, get this wait, out of my gets, face. It gets crazier, <laughs> Trisha. It gets crazier. So if I was you in that story. Day two or three, I'm walking around Melbourne and I walk into some like spiritual bookshop, bookshop, whatever. And I'm just kind of like really just a daze. I'm so like, where am I supposed to be going? And this woman behind the counter is talking to me and she goes, you should read this book. And I remember she didn't even look. She grabbed it off the counter and handed it to me and said, this is the book you should read. And it was called The Magician's Way. And I was like, what the fuck? Why are you giving me this book? And I was so upset. Like I didn't open the, I bought it. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm better buying it. And then I just looked at it for days and days. And then I started reading it. And then I was like, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to meet this William White Cloud. I'm going to meet him. And is it actually like, so yeah, it's not like about a magician. No, not at all. Magic, not, like, well, no, probably magic, magic sense of the universe or something. Probably but magic not, like, in the sense of calling in different things in your life. Magic in the sense of, I like to say, you know, the book, the Celestine prophecy. I don't know it. You don't know the Celestine prophecy. I mean, uh, I know that I know that word, but I do not know the book. So like, like, like I know the title, book, but... like, like steps on your life. Like, you know, ways to, to be in your life. Like one of the, the secrets, the magic they talk about is like to be in action, right? You can't just wait for things to happen. You still have to be in action, right? So I start saying, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to meet this guy. And through the course of my trip, people I would meet would know of the book and they'd know him. And finally, somebody forwarded me an email from his team saying, we're going to LA. Does anyone have any contacts or relationships in the entertainment industry? And I was like, this is it. This is my thing. So I emailed right about right away. And I was like, happy to make these introductions. I'm going to be in Byron Bay where I knew he lived. I'd like to meet William. And they're like, Oh, thank you. Unfortunately, he's not available. I was like, No, I want to meet him. At this point, I'm like, I'm meeting this dude. And I was I remembered I 
I was in a hotel room. I was like super hungover and the phone rang one morning and it was William. And I was like, what? Oh my God. And he was like, listen, I'm, I'm actually really sick. I can't meet you. My business partner would like to meet you. So I had lunch with his business partner. It was great. We kept in contact. I came back through Australia. He and I, William and I had lunch with his son. Fast forward to like three years later, he came out to LA. I took him to the Magic Castle, right? Because I thought that was a fun thing to do. Uh, then his family moved here like 10 minutes from me. And like, we went hiking every other day together. And wow. like, I saw him last Saturday night at a dinner party. And like, it, I don't know, it's still, I still love that story of like, who this person is to me on that level. Anyway. That's my, that's my magician's way story. So, um, <laughs> I love it. Okay. But so how did, so if you, how did, how did the trip end? If you like had no like end point, like, were you finally like, okay, it's ready to go home. Or is there something like, oh, it's the holidays. I'll go home. Like what brought you back to LA? Yeah. So I had two things. One, I'd hurt my ankle pretty bad. Um, I fell like off the side of a mountain in Thailand and like my ankle was just like, it never healed. So I was kind of like bummed on that even though I just kept going and riding scooters. My grandmother had passed away and my dad really wanted me to come to like, it wasn't even her funeral. It was more like her unveiling. And he'd asked me to come for that. And I had met a girl and I was living with her in, like outside of Amsterdam and all three of those things. And I was like, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. So I remember going home and I was so bummed buying this ticket to go home. I just remember so, being so sad. So you and weren't necessarily like ready to go home. It was more like to take care of these things. Like. To go home and take care of these things. And the crazy thing is the moment, the day I arrived, I got home. I went to like uh, some music, some local music show that night. And I remember walking in there and people were like, hey, what's up? And it was like, to me, you know, I've been gone. Right. And people were like, hey, what's up? Like, I saw you yesterday. And I You're just like, remember my Don't head. you just know I've lived out the most amazing life journey? Who do you think? <laughs> yeah. Didn't matter. <laughs> and I just remember my head going, shit, did that really happen? Did that actually happen? Because somebody was like asking me about booking something or something. And I was like, what? Fuck. Okay. And it, it was back to that space of like, am I being seen? Am I being heard? Am I worthy? And like, I was now so determined to get out of here. I ended up, you know, in my hustle as I was with some of those companies from my travels, I ended up getting a job with one of these companies in New Zealand. So four months later, they flew me back to New Zealand and I spent two months working with them on, on a project. But uh, the being back in LA was really hard, really, really hard. I mean, you think that was more so because maybe you weren't really sure like what was next and like having your identity be like, you know, like, man, like, like maybe you hadn't like people are like still like, Oh, Mike, the manager and there blah, blah, blah. And you're like, maybe not then fully healed from that. Cause you know, if you had knew what was next or if you had been there and be like, you know, I don't do that anymore. Like that simple, but it was just the fact of like, no, I'm not that, but maybe you still didn't know like what was next. So like, yeah. And then to that, even like I was living with my parents, I, so, didn't know what was next. So it to you maybe felt like I failed or like I'm not failed. enough or whatever. Like, which I think like I've done through, gone through many stages in my life where I was just in a place of, I don't know what I'm doing next, but I was okay with that. It, but the world has a really strong problem with that. Like I even, I even would be like, no, I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm just taking time off. 
well, you've already been like not working for like three months. So what do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. What do you do with your time? Blah, blah, blah. What are you, blah, this, that, and whatever. And so it's just like, it's hard to like be yeah. okay being yeah. in, I don't know. <laughs> and, and, I, and I can remember literally sitting there some days and thanking my parents and recognizing that I was having feelings, but being like, I'm going to make this the best I can. And I would walk down to the beach and I would literally, you know, again, just meditate and sit there and be like, it's not going to be this way forever. How do I make this the best I can? I'm going to get pissed off. I'm going to get frustrated. How do I tell my parents how much I love them, how grateful I am that like, I have this safe space to come back to. So, you know, part of me, I had that thing I came back to. I was also super resentful that I came back. I was, that was the word I was just thinking of. Like, yeah, you're like trying to be grateful. But at the same time, you're somewhat like resent. Pissed (laughs) off. And I would think about, and I would constantly think about like if for the first year, if I would make any money or get money, if like, let's say somebody gave me a hundred dollars and I'd be like, you know how long I could live in Thailand off this? You know, like, and I would think about that hut I had in Northern Thailand with its own bathroom and a hammock right on the river for $4 a day. And I was like, are you kidding? And like eating the best pad Thai and just like loving life, you know? And I would think about that over and over again. But what made you not just be like, was a part of you like really wanting to like put down roots then? Cause why didn't you just go like, yeah, I'm just going to go travel again. Part of me wanted to put down roots. Um, and then when I got that job opportunity to go to New Zealand, it was like, cool, this is it. But it also lit that fire as far as that hustle job because it was a, it was creating. It was, it was um, helping with like some programming opportunities for this tour company. And it was this false sense of what it was going to be. And I, I know for myself, I've, I've always held a lot of worthiness and value. So what I think in what your job is to be and right, this, this job is going to make me this right back to this whole thing of where you're going to be. And yeah, maybe I, I am not going to use the S word that you would say the, but I probably could have just packed up and gone again. And I've looked at that from times, but I chose not to part of me has always wanted to just get back to proving to myself I could have the sustainable life here. And I, I don't know, I, I, I still, and we'll get to it, struggle with that shit here. Well, yeah, I know I did want to get to next and you can fill in anything else too, but um, obviously want to talk about travel with meaning and what made you create that? Like when, I don't remember when you created it either now or like, yeah. And like your passion with that and dreams for that and everything. Yeah, for sure. So travel with meaning really comes from a a whole different um, set of conversations. So when when I left on that trip and I bought my one-way ticket, I had a website called My Grateful Journey, which was actually- Right, right, right. I knew there was like like something, but I, yeah. Yeah. And over the course of that trip, I probably interviewed 85 plus people and I asked them all the same three questions. And what led you to interviewing people on, like, you know, and, too, and I remember you said like, oh, yeah, and I brought my flip cam. Was that like part of even just like your background in the journalism and stuff? Like, you know, like, did it make also I wonder if it made the fact of like, I'm going on a trip where I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have a job anymore, like made you feel more of like, I have something to do. I am doing purpose. this. I have purpose. There we go. That's what I was looking for. It gave me purpose because I would have many people say to me, again, this is way before social media explosion. What are you going to do with all this? I don't know. You know, and I felt it did a couple things for me. Uh, as a solo traveler, it allowed me to break the ice. I also became incredibly just curious of other people, you know, and just like, you're different. We come from different places, but like, we all have so many similarities. 
And I started feeling that, recognizing that. So I would, I would ask everyone the same three questions. And would you just like see somebody anywhere and be like, hey, can I ask you some questions? Like, 100%. Okay. And what Sometimes the- it'd be that way. Sometimes it'd be like random person I've known for a little while and right. I, I would ask him in the most- But sometimes you, know, you might just see somebody out and be like, hey, can I ask you some questions? You know? Yeah, I, I would. Or like, you know, you know, girl in a bar thinks you're hitting on him. Like, no, no, just have questions for you, you know? And it was the same three questions. Was this something you like thought about ahead of time or did, did you just end up asking three questions and then stick with it? You know what you I know, mean? It was, <laughs> sometimes it was multiple. Those three questions really are the main ones that came from all of it. Sometimes there'd be other questions. Sometimes it'd be about, you know, other deep, meaningful things. But these three are like the through line. And, and no, as, as <laughs> I didn't even have a plan, as I keep saying. So I didn't say, I'm going to go do this. I just kind of, it became my guiding light and it became like a security blanket for me as through the course of my travels of being alone, but allowing me to meet people this way was really important. And so when I did end up coming back to LA What were the three questions? Oh gosh. Yes. Those. Um, What inspires you? What are you grateful for? And what does travel mean to you? And those three questions just started teaching me about like other people. Not that I didn't know before or have understandings or connections, but it just, it was this wonderful kind of aha moment. And I think once you become like a full conscious, like-minded traveler, it's hard to go back. Right. And so for me, it was just these, just the connections with people. And I didn't want to just be, I wasn't a tourist. I wanted to immerse myself. And I I felt the only ways to really do that was to get in with people and ask questions that they weren't expecting, ask questions in places they weren't expecting, ask questions that they were their most vulnerable, real, authentic self in these moments with someone they didn't know. And sometimes the best time to talk, share stories with people is when you don't know them and you get the most incredible juicy things from people when you're traveling. And I just was hearing stories and experiences that to this day, still like just moved me. And that was, um, that was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. Like I think people, a lot of times, again, if you don't, when people don't know you or your stories or the people that you might, you know, like you can actually be freer in talking about because it's not sort of like, Oh, I don't want this to get back to so-and-so, or I don't want them to think badly of even my mom or like, you know, like we can have a hard time owning our own experiences and pain because it, Oh, we don't want it to, you know, affect somebody else's idea of that person or whatever. Like, yeah. So sometimes you can open up and have deeper conversations with strangers. There, there was, there was a woman, I mean, I'd been traveling maybe two and a half weeks at this point, And I was like in the middle of the outback. Uh, and I'd asked this woman about inspiration. And she said something to me about how she, how every day is inspiration for her because she didn't, she didn't think she was going to live. And she started telling me the story about this terminal illness she had and all these things that came from it. And how being here and being in these moments and traveling, how and the inspiration of it has really just changed her. And it was really in that conversation that I, I'd only just started these conversations. It was kind of just came to me, and I was like, "Wow, I, you can learn so much more about people just by giving them like questions and asking them just just you're interested in their life without saying what do you do, where are you from, you know." And I and I wanted to get rid of the where are you from. And how long are you traveling for? Because that was like, I felt like everyone talked about. So I would say like, what inspires you? Or, you know, what do you love about this? 
Got it. Okay. So what, anyway, we got, I got onto this conversation from when I asked you about all the traveling with Travel meaning. meaning. So, yeah. So when I came back and I had all this content, I was like, oh, I want to do something with it. In my mind, it was going to be so revolutionary and it was going to just inspire other people to travel. Um, and that was probably part of my problem is that I wanted it to be something greater than it really, not that it was or wasn't. And I put some of it on social, nothing crazy. Um, and I got the idea to host, I, I called it a travel talk. And, and mind you, in that time when I was back, I was kind of doing the, the, the professional shuffle and working for some digital agencies. And once again, trying to figure out where the revenue or things come from. And I started hosting these events because I wanted to share my stories and I want to invite other people to share their stories. And I saw something happening. And I, and I say this sometimes that I realized it wasn't about me or my stories. It was about we. And how can we share stories and how can we all connect and bond about you go to Italy, I go to Italy, we have different experiences, but they're meaningful. How do we share these stories? And I didn't see anywhere where people were doing this. And so I started hosting these monthly talks and interviewing people to hear their stories um, and really for the sake of just enjoying it and enjoying what the experience was. And uh, that was like 25. 16 and didn't officially like wow. launch until like 2019 or whatever I have. And I, I always feel, I mean, I think that's so huge to like an, in, I mean, even, even hosting an online event where people around the world can join and even for free is still such a like, Oh, you gotta be brave to put yourself out there to like, you know, even for a free thing that anybody can join so easy. Like in some ways that's makes it even harder. Like it's so easy. Somebody can sign up and then, or, and then not show up or whatever, but like in person to be like, okay, come show up. And like the fact that you put yourself out there to like, I'm going to hold just, I just want to talk, like share traveling experience, like, you know, experiences or whatever. So I think that's so awesome that you did that. And then like, and have, have kept, well, I know with the pandemic, I mean, you still have like kept it up in some way. Right. Yeah. The interesting thing is like, I got to that point of like, how do I turn this into a business and the good and the bad of that. And, and transparency. There are days I'm like, ha, ah, why couldn't this should have been my passion project? And there are days I'm like, I just get that job and, and this stays on the side. And, and I've had that at times. But you know, that being said, I turned this into a podcast in 2019, had a couple live shows that became podcasts as well with lucky enough to have you as a guest. The last major live show pre-pandemic. I know. I can't um, believe that. It was so... Which is crazy. That was. It was like January of 2020, huh? It was. Or was it February? It was, I think it was, it, January. it was January. It was January. Yeah. Because so what had happened was so January and the next day they flew me to Bermuda and right. I hosted a series of events in Bermuda. And we're, the reason I stay with this and what I believe to be true is not only everyone has a travel story to share, but I believe it also changes the way we share travel and sell travel. And I'm still in deeper conversations I think I've ever been with like different brands and people of like, how do we utilize these stories to then, you know, get people traveling or what does that look like working with different brands? And, and I believe that there's been such a weird conversation with that influencer thing. And just because you put influencers out there and set them on a trip and they put social media together, like, how does that really work? And for me, it's like, I want to hear someone's story. And if you, Trisha, you tell me about going to Bali and we're talking about all about Bali and I'm like, by the way, you know, so-and-so resort in Bali, it's like, click this link and they're giving everyone a different discount. To me, that's a little more authentic that rolls that, rolls that way. And so 
part of me believes in that. The other side is that I also think coming through this pandemic, there's a lot of brands, there's a lot of really good tourism boards and, and places and people that are struggling and need to know what their outward facing messaging is going to be. You can't just say, my hotel is clean or, you know, we have no COVID here. I'm like, and the, the things I keep saying to people is travel's a feeling and travel is a, is a connection to people. And I believe that, you know, what I want with travel with meaning is it's so much bigger than me, right? Get rid of the me, it's the we. And I know for the first part of my whole career, all I struggled with was wanting me to be recognized. All I want is this to go somewhere. I want this to like take off like a bird and take it and take it to other brands and people. I don't care if I'm, I stay with this forever. I really believe in the power of travel stories to connect with people and to do good and to help people to share their stories that maybe they forgot about or didn't know about or, or new stories and experiences they want to have. Yeah, I love it. And I I see so much potential and I know we had private conversations recently and I think that things that you're talking about are so great. You know, I was also thinking from the pandemic, sure that stopped a lot of travel, but you know, a lot of also different opinions and worldviews and things were exposed. Um, and I, you know, some things that sort of woke me up and was like, made me question people and what they were saying was based on my world traveling experience and stuff. And I was like, wow, you can really tell that these people have probably not traveled and not left and not like judging them. Like, wow, you can really like whatever. But it was just an interesting thing that I like, yeah, how much traveling to different countries and having different experiences with different cultures and different communities and different peoples have has given me as a human and opened my mind and my heart and uh, like just ideas about things. And so I feel like there's been a lot of closed minded and like judgmental things being thrown around in the last year with the pandemic and the virus and how to handle it and everything like that. And it was so interesting and people being so like, I can't believe this is being treated like that and acting as if this politician or the United States is doing things wrong. And I was like, wait, are you even paying? Like, this isn't happening anywhere else. And I'd be like, but it, no, this is, and this can't countries handle, like even that thing, like, no, if you actually look into the news, no, other countries are doing this. And yes, some countries are doing this, but it was just an interesting thing of like how close-minded people's minds could be when they like forget that the rest of the world exists. That's an interesting comment. I think one of the most <laughs> fascinating things that I've, that I've found- and, and have not, also forget the rest of the world exists, but also have not had experiences going to other countries and being with other people and the differences that exist, but also the, you know, where we can find common ground. Where we can find common ground, but also like how we choose to allow travel to be for us. And I, I think this past almost two years has been just a, an interesting kind of look at that. And I, I think for myself, one of the most fascinating things that I've found in, the, in, in all the interviews I've done, whether it's my own travels or the podcast or live show, is I've found these like common themes that people will share for their their meaningful moments and i've i've called them the principles of meaning and actually just launched my first workshop for it and it's it's interesting is that i don't know if you've ever looked up the definition of travel in the dictionary do you know what it is no i'm like i'm laughing but i'm like i have looked up a lot of like words that are random like that especially in writing my book i'm all like wait what exactly does the definition of this say but i have not looked up travel <laughs> well first of all, what does travel mean to you Ah, the first thing that come up for me that, when you said that just now was expansion. 
Um, and that, which is interesting because in my group, I'm like, I'm leading a group coaching program right now where we have a different focus each week. And this week's focus is expansion, uh, oddly enough. But, and so that, you know, expansion can mean different ways. So it's, it's like, you know, going somewhere, but it, you know, I think too, expansion and connection because, and that can be like a deeper connection with ourselves. And then also like the world around us. Cause I think just off Houston, when we're traveling, like we put ourselves in a different mindset that hopefully not everybody, I know some people are too stressed out. And of course, as a mom and with the kids, and you've got all these things and, you know, like there's still a lot of people when they're traveling can be stressed out and too concerned still about work and all the other stuff. But usually, yeah, like a deeper connection and yeah, just connection and expansion. I'll just go with. Yeah. Great. That's a, that's a wonderful answer. So the, the dictionary definition is to travel from one place to another, typically over a great distance. Now. The thing that's interesting to me is that wait, in the definition of travel is the, is travel. Yeah, it what to, to basically it's to go from one place <laughs> oh, to another. It. So got it, got it, got it. To go to one place from another, typically over a great distance. So the thing that I find most interesting is that anyone I've ever inter- interviewed or, or talked to, when you ask them about travel, they go immediately to the feeling of it. Right? They don't ever say it's not about it's not about going anywhere. Sometimes it's about that experience of the connection. And so part of this whole new thing for myself and with traveled meaning is I want to rewrite what the dictionary definition is on some level. Like, you know, I'm not saying we're changing the, the dictionary, but like I want people to look at it as that feeling, not an actual, it's not about going anywhere. It's sometimes the greatest journey is the, in, you know, the inner journey, right? And one of the principles we talk about is not all journeys are measured in miles. And I think in this past, two years in the pandemic, we learned that sometimes you can go for a walk around your block and experience something that's so moving or have a conversation that is does that same thing than like, then going on a, a plane. I'm all for going to Italy or Spain or, you know, a long haul flight, but doesn't mean you have to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's something I, you know, bring attention to, too. It's like, especially, you know, my book is F the shoulds do the once. And so with the once too, it can be like, well, yeah, we can't always have what we want in that moment, but sometimes we limit ourselves with that. Like, well, that, oh, that's too out of my blah, blah, blah. Or like, yeah, I want to tra- like, yeah, travel. I'd love to travel everywhere, but I can't, I can't afford it. Or I don't have the time or whatever. So we just like shoot ourselves down. And so that I like, look at those things. Well, if that is, what do you, what do you want? Okay. Well, so then what does that feel like? Or what does that look like for you? And then, yeah. So how can you like make space for something that has that similar feeling in your own life? So like, yeah, you are craving to like escape and to explore and do this different thing. So great. Maybe you can like go explore a different neighborhood or yeah, like go take a different walk and and so I do that a lot, sort of see where I could find myself feeling like I can't have that thing that I want. Okay, well, so what is it that I'm craving? And then like, how can I like make space for something that would give me a glimpse even of that tiny experience <laughs> or that big experience in a, in a tiny way? Okay, I'm going to get to the questions I ask everybody. First Ooh. one is, what do you do to raise your joy levels? When you're not feeling so great. I jump in the ocean. I go and I feel that energy and that power in the ocean. Um, hold on one second. I was just clicked. Let me just say not yet. Um, I go and I jump in the ocean or I go for a walk or I try and do my best to spend any time in nature. What? Um, 
what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you is something that I say. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be harder. But so I ask everyone to apply this to their own life. What is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. It could be like a habit, a way of being, a way that you've been programmed, you know, to do or think or be. What is easiest for me is what is best for me. Why has this been the hardest question so far? I <laughs> <laughs> um, say to not overthink it and just come with whatever it's. <laughs> I, I was literally going to say, I think for me, I think what's easiest for me is um, to put something off, <laughs> to not complete something. Honestly, I'm like, oh, I'll do that later. What's best for me is to do the fucking work, you know, and like I, I will make up that, you know, back to that whole learning disability. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do this right. And so sometimes it's easier for me to be like, I'll get to that later, whatever. What's best for me is like, no, you know, you can do this. Get it done. Um, all right. The last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It for reasons we've brought up during the episode. Well, somewhat I was saying like, yeah, we're often chasing these feelings, but we can work to like claim those feelings right now that we're chasing. The enoughness, being seen being fulfilled, being enough. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Mm. I'm claiming, first off, thank you for having me on the podcast. You're I just welcome. want to say thank you. It really has meant a lot. I've actually just enjoyed our conversation and our relationship over the years. And I'm, I, it, I was nervous because I knew it was going to make me super vulnerable to be on this podcast <laughs> and talk about things in my past and that get under my skin. Um, but I'm claiming my worthiness and I'm claiming my ability to follow my passion to encourage, inspire, and support people's travels and to have and to share extraordinary travel adventures and to live a sustainable lifestyle that makes me happy being me while I'm taking care of people around me and to build travel with meaning to be the, the leader in travel storytelling by sharing uh, stories that allow people to get outside of their comfort zone, see the world, and to live in my full worthiness of who I am personally, professionally, and financially. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Trisha. What a joy. Thank you all for listening. As always, please share the episode in person with the people you know. Tell people that you listen to Claim It, why you love it, and also share it on social media. I love seeing the episodes shared. Tag me at Claim It Podcast at underscore Trisha Huffman. If you share about the episode, I will enter you to win a gift for my product line. And again, of course, leave a review and screenshot it. Send it to podcast at yourdialogist.com and you will get a gift from me. So share it on social media. You'll be entered to win. Leave a review. Definitely get one. For all things me, go to yourdriologist.com. I'm very excited to put out some new offerings in the new year. So I'd also love to hear from you. What are things that you would love to see from me, whether they're products, coaching programs, offerings? Um, I do have some one-on-one spots open for the new year. And um, yeah. I'm just really excited to keep on going with this podcast and more, more, more for the final thought of the day. Oh, 
of course, go to Travel With Meaning <laughs> to find travelwithmeaning.com to find more about Mike and what he is up to. And um, for the final thought of the day, love to just think about where you are right now in your life and acknowledge yourself, whether you have places you wish you had gone, um, you hit some big marks this year, no matter where you are, just sit for a moment and acknowledge yourself. You are here. You are alive. You are living your life.